Good morning, I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! The scripture lesson today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 through 16, and then following in verses 44 through 48. Listen now as the word of God is proclaimed. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him, and after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw that heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. And now continuing on to verse 44. When Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They then invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, exciting scripture packed to the gills. So we are in Acts, we are in the 10th chapter. Last week you studied or worshiped, were given the message of Saul's conversion as he will begin then to be called to a new kind of mission, a mission to the Gentiles. Immediately following that, we find ourselves here in Acts 10 with Cornelius. Who, who is Cornelius? Very simply, he's a Roman centurion, which means he was a military leader. He had uh, command of 100 soldiers. That's the centurion part. 
He was a part of the occupying force in Israel. He was not generally welcomed by the people. No one likes to be occupied, suppressed, and oppressed. That's what the Romans did in Israel. And yet, he is lifted up as someone who fears God and is devout, a Gentile. So what's all this Gentile Jew business? Quite simply, if you were from the house of Israel, you were part of the house of Israel. If you were not, anybody outside of that would be a Gentile. They would seen it, uh, see those as being pagan, as being unclean. They were told in the Old Testament in uh, the Torah in Leviticus to stay away from those unclean people, which, by the way, is mostly you and me, unless you have some Jewish lineage. We are these Gentiles that now Scripture is pivoting to start a new thing. A few weeks ago, we studied the Ethiopian eunuch, who obviously was not from the house of Israel, who was different in a variety of ways and not welcomed or able to participate in the covenant life or the temple community. And the Spirit sent Philip to him directly to teach him and to baptize him. Here is a similar story. For you have Cornelius, so again, he is faithful, and angels appear to him in a vision that, in essence, say, go send for Peter and bring him here. So Cornelius is in Caesarea, Caesarea. Peter is in Joppa. These are both on the Mediterranean Sea. They're both coastal ports. Joppa is south. Caesarea is north. So Cornelius up north says, go get Peter, sends three of his men to go get Peter and let him know that the Holy Spirit has summoned him. And so as they're on their way to Peter, this is where Peter has this vision. So he's up on his roof and he's hungry, which is interesting, because he has a dream about food. Ever been to the grocery store hungry? Everybody knows that's a mistake and you fill up twice as much because you're hungry and you want to get to it. Maybe he was hangry, I don't know. That is hungry because, angry because you're hungry. But either way, he has a vision that God gives to him. He sees something like a sheet filled with the animals that had been prohibited for Israel to have contact with, not just eat, but even be in contact with. And God three times, in essence, says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter, who this is such an offensive statement, says, oh, oh, by no means, Lord. As to say, well, you told us for generations, 1,500-ish years, generation after generation, you told our people to stay away from these. I would never. And so God does it again. What I have made clean, you do not call profane. What I have made clean, God says, you do not call profane. Three times God hits him with that same sentiment. What a radical and different confrontation this would have been for Peter. All his people have known are the laws that God gave them through Moses. 
and directly, this is countervening, counter to what they had been taught. What does that mean? All right, preacher, I know what you're doing. You preachers, looking for some new angle so you make things up about what you think Scripture says. We know what it says, and that's not what it says. Okay, we'll do a little exercise. I will read you Leviticus, and then I will read you this Acts passage again with no interpretation, no extraneous preacher twisting or warping of this God's Word. Listen, Leviticus 11. The Word of the God, friends, is heavy. The Lord God spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak this to all the people of Israel, saying, From among all the land animals there are creatures you may eat, any animal that has divided hooves and is cleft-footed and chews the cud. You may eat. Any animal that has divided hooves and is cleft-footed and chews the cud, such you may eat. But among those that choose the cud or have divided hooves, you shall not eat the following, the camel. For even though it chews the cud, it does not have divided hooves. It is unclean for you, the rock badger. For even though it chews the cud, it does not have divided hooves. It is unclean for you, the hare. For even though it chews the cud, it does not have divided hooves. It is unclean for you, the pig. For even though it has divided hooves, it is cleft-footed. It does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. Of their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean for you. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered on the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Did I twist that in any way? Did I put some kind of spin on that to say it's something that it isn't? Maybe, maybe. I don't think so. It's not my intent. It is clear that what happened in Leviticus is now changing in the book of Acts just as it was with the Ethiopian eunuch, just as it is with Gentiles. Now, we'll take the, the eunuch out because that has some sexuality related, and when we get there, we just cannot communicate. Let's just look at Gentiles. Again, just people outside of the family of Israel, unclean, cannot participate, and here God is doing a new thing. Peter, after all of his life of living and practicing one way in one vision, God starts to wipe out all 
that he had known and understand and was his tradition. What God has made clean, you do not call profane. So one of our questions today is what or who do we call profane that God has made clean? Hmm. Who would we call profane in our world? People who use profanities, the words right in there. And I know you all do, don't pretend like you don't. What about people who have different beliefs? People who are not Christian, are they profane? What about people who have made such poor decisions in their lives and are living in horrible realities, even though it's their own decisions, are they profane to God? What then is our response? The simple sermon today begs you one thing. For sermons to be worth their weight, they need to have some practical application. And here it is. I want you to go home today or this week. I want you to make a list. You don't have to show anybody. Or you can as a family or a couple or friends. Make a list of people that you might judge as being profane. People other than us, people who believe other than us. Put anybody on that list. I'm giving you permission to be judgmental in that capacity. Make a list of those people, and then I want you to figure out a way to make contact with somebody in that, on that list in Columbus in the near future. That is some radical stuff. This may be the clearest calling through Scripture that we have received in recent memory. What God has made clean, you do not call profane. Peter here is not dispensing out salvation. Cornelius, when he finds him, comes to his feet and worships him, and Peter says, stop, it's not me, it's Christ. I do not save you, Christ saves you. It is not up to us to determine who is in and who is out of God's kingdom. It is not up to us to judge others or to condemn anyone else because they don't believe what we believe. I don't want that power, and thank God I don't have it, and neither, friends, do you, because that's not our call to sit back and say, oh, no, they're out, they're out, you're in, you're out. Only God knows what's on our hearts. Only God knows and Christ knows who and what we believe and how we live. Our calling is to take what we know and share it with people who might be on the profane list, not in a judgmental way. Hear me, I'm not saying go out and tell them, you better change your ways, you're going to rot. That's not our call. Our call is to build relationship with folks on the profane list. Our job is to at some point share faith in a safe and healthy way, from your perspective. Nobody can argue with what you believe. They might, but you can say, it's what I believe. If you want to take a homeless person to lunch, that might be in your profane list. They might say, why are you taking me to lunch? You can say, because I believe 
It's what Christ calls me to do. Bam! You did it. You didn't hurt them. You didn't threaten them. You shared your faith. They know you're a Christian. Maybe they ask a question that that could open a door, or maybe they don't, but they know that you're doing this because you're a person of faith and you are following Christ. That is our call. What God has made clean, you do not call profane. Should be a bumper sticker. So things are changing in God's world. God is changing clearly what was once prohibited because God is doing a new thing in the world. Peter's mission is changing, and Paul getting ready to come on the scene to grab this new prohibited Old Testament mission or outreach full on as he goes to preach to the Gentiles of the world in his part of the world. So that's the first piece. Peter's vision. Yes, you can have bacon, God says. Not just bacon. Doesn't mean you just eat the meat that he laid out. Be healthy, but these things are now okay. So then, remember, we're still in transit. Cornelius was sending his three people to Peter, and while they were traveling to Peter, Peter has the vision. So that's the first part. What God has made clean, we do not call profane. Because guess who was also on the profane list at one time or another? You and me. And thank God, God does not call us profane, but sends us a Savior that we may be taken off the profane list, as all of humankind is meant to be, because they are all God's children. Who made those people on the profane list? It is God and Christ. And it's our job, again, to take them the grace and the love as we know it in safe and respectful ways. So the three men get to Peter after he's had his vision. His mind is blown. He's still trying to figure out what the encounter was he just had. And the three tell Peter, well, Cornelius had a vision. Angel said, come get you, so we're coming to get you in Joppa, take you back up to Caesarea. So they go. This is when they meet. Cornelius falls at the feet of Peter. Peter, no, you don't worship me. You worship Christ, the risen Christ. And they share. And again, who is Cornelius? He's a leader in their enemy army that has oppressed their people and now occupies their nation. Why in the world would you offer God's grace to this person. Not unlike Jonah, who was called to the Ninevites, pagans, military enemies, unclean. Jonah's fault wasn't that he didn't want to follow God to do the work. Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to be forgiven. They were unworthy of God's grace and God's love. Peter is in a similar place here with Cornelius. God tells him three times, Jonah was three days in the whale that things are changing, to go to this Gentile, this military leader who oppresses and occupies Israel. So Peter and Cornelius are together, and Peter sees that he is a faithful and devout Gentile, which is a new thing. How can that be? You have to be circumcised first. Well, no, you don't. 
And while they're communicating, and there's people all around them, the Holy Spirit comes down in verse 44, 1044, and lands on the Gentiles. This is called the Gentile Pentecost. If you remember chapter 2, we celebrate the Pentecost coming down on those disciples, drove them out, tongues of flame, the Spirit with them, that drove out and started the church and drove them into their new mission. This Gentile spirit, people saw. How can the Holy Spirit come and rest on the unclean, these profane Gentiles? But they saw it. And then Peter just kind of rhetorically says, what would keep these Gentiles from being baptized? There's no good reason, Peter surmises. And so at the end of our passage, they are baptized. And so begins a new chapter. And friends, I'm not saying you throw out the Old Testament. I'm not saying you throw out the Torah or the law or that everything is permissible. No, God, Christ came to fulfill the law, not to dispel it. But at the same time, when it is clear as this passage is, God is doing a new thing, and God's grace came from the house of Israel and then expands. The Messiah, Christ, went first to Israel and then was sent out for the rest of the world. Thank God to you and to me and all of the pagan Gentiles. So Cornelius was baptized the same way Griffith was, maybe not exactly the same, but the same understanding of stepping into this new family of faith, entering this new mission as Christ did when he was baptized. And it says the traditional, those that are steeped in the traditional Israelite ways, which they all still were, started to grumble. Well, of course they did. Of course they did. They're messing with their tradition, with what they knew God gave to them through Moses. What a difficult transition. Of course it is. But God is doing a new thing. Do not call profane what God has made clean. What God has made clean, do not call profane. That is our big message for the day. Cornelius was baptized just as Griffith was into a new world. And Peter, who had this vision, we are getting ready to celebrate with food ourselves to understand what God's call is to us through the broken body bread, through the, the blood that has been shed through the grape juice. All of this flows well through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it is not just food, it is not just boxes to be checked off. We are being called to step up and do something radical. This past week, I was at Presbyterian Youth Triennium. I'll talk some more about it later. But the quick context, close to 5,000 youth at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, all over the country, even some international. I was behind a group. They all made T-shirts for their delegations, their presbytery groups. On the back of a tie-dyed shirt, it simply said, those radical Presbyterians. Kind of slanted sideways. Didn't elaborate, didn't give a verse. It just said, those radical Presbyterians. And this is our radical call today. 
to look at what may be judged as being profane by each of us, even by society, and to say, how do I get to somebody there to safely, to respectfully, and courageously help them and share my faith, maybe in deed, maybe in word, maybe in presence. That is our call today. So with courage, let us see that we too may be being led to new ways of being a community of faith. First Presbyterian, certainly, but as a Christian family, God is always doing a new thing. Will we allow God to do that? Will we respond? The visions have been given, the calls made clear. So let us go, make our lists, and remember that what God has made clean, which is creation itself on the seventh day, this is good sixth day. So let us go and have the courage to engage the profane and share our faith with them, because again, at one time or another, we too are on somebody's profane list. Hallelujah. Amen.